I'm Ethan Miller and I'm here with Ryan Sheehan and Zach. We're here to talk about Purple Bird Grow. So we're here with Zach with Purple Bird Farms um, just to give you guys a rundown of what they're about, why they grow cannabis, um, the ethos behind their farm, and where they're looking forward. So Zach, let's ask a super general question. What is it about weed that you like? You know, my first experience with marijuana felt very medicinal to me. And um, I've always looked at marijuana as a natural medicine. I think it's a powerful plant. I think it's uh, played an important role in the development of our civilization and that uh, we're healthier as individuals and as a society with it in our lives. That's a cool answer. Um, what medicinal feelings do you get from marijuana? Like, what do you try to treat with marijuana? Well, the biggest thing for me is uh, pain relief. I think um, I had a skeletal injury as a young teenager. And rather than treat that with uh, narcotics and everything else available through Western medicine, um, I chose massage therapy, chiropractics, and marijuana. And I feel like I'm a healthier person for it, you know. Um, while I've dealt with those issues through marijuana, um, I've seen people take a hard turn using other medicines and other drugs. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to play a part in this industry and give patients an opportunity to try other things and give doctors an opportunity to recommend other things. That's really cool. Um, as far as starting this farm, it you have how many years of experience growing cannabis, would you well, say? Um, I started my first plant, let's see, 20 years ago. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So you grew all over the country, I'm guessing? I've had some experience here and there. Yeah. Um, my first License grow was in Portland, Oregon, and um, I grew recreational during a time I lived in Colorado, and this is the second medical marijuana farm I've been involved with here in Oklahoma. Right on. And I've been in the industry in Oklahoma now for about two years. Um, I've only met maybe 20 guys that are doing a living soil grow. What made you decide to go that route with the method of your grow? You know, that kind of plays into the world we want to see, really. Um, I feel like the, there's, um, there's a lot of things uh, that are challenging to humanity at this time. Climate change is one of the first among them. And the marijuana industry has an enormous ecological impact. Consumption of synthetic fertilizers, transportation involved in liquid nutrients, um, just the packaging alone has a considerable impact on society. And I think that we, um, all of us in the industry need to consider that and be aware of it. And so um, there's a lot of interesting research going into soil sciences right now. And I feel like by taking part in the development of an industry that relies on soil sciences, that we can further those sciences. And um, soil plays an important role in the sequestration of carbon dioxide. And if we can you know, through the enormous amount of funds that flow through our industry, contribute to some of those scientists that are developing methods that can have a positive impact on society. I want to take part in that, you know. Um, it may be in some ways a little cheaper and a little easier to use synthetic fertilizers or hydroponic methods, but to me it, it plays into our whole holistic approach to doing business. So in theory, your farm would generate cannabis and soil in, in a fashion. I mean, you're, you're obviously still having to 
bring inputs in, and you're going to use those inputs to grow cannabis. But one of your outputs is healthy soil uh -huh. that could be used for more cannabis or could be used for anything, in theory. That's true. You know, as a waste product on a farm, having healthy soil can, is very versatile. Um, there's a lot that we can do with it. We love to garden, and using our waste soil for outdoor gardening is great. We grow um, as much of our own food as the weather allows. Um, but what I meant by contributing to the soil, I also just meant that, um, you know, economically, it's important that we try to put our money into the places that can be most productive in our society. I think that um, if we as cannabis growers can be looked at as leaders in cultivation sciences and just as cultivators in general, then maybe some of that influence will spill over to the backyard gardeners who are still hooked on miracle Grow. And I will say, as a guy who gardened before cannabis was legal, I never saw the people that I see now at a garden store. Like, gardening in general has skyrocketed. Now, a lot of people are growing weed themselves and having good or bad success, you know, but regardless, they seem to stay hooked on gardening, and that's one positive that I've seen from this industry in Oklahoma is everybody's gardening now. It's, it's something, yeah, yeah. The industry, I think, makes a lot of materials and technologies available. You know, the, the grow stores that have popped up to service the grower community services the gardening community just as well. And, um, you know... High-tech stuff comes through. Right. Yeah. You know, even, um, say, in my early 20s when I was still an apartment dweller, I didn't grow marijuana in my apartment. It was still a serious felony in Oklahoma at the time. But I did have an indoor garden, and I cultivated greens and herbs and other things, and... It was sometimes a little unsettling for me because to set up that indoor garden, I had to do business with vendors that could be identified as marijuana vendors and having them shipped to me at the time was a little bit sketchy, but now you have stores in every city and most small towns that'll um, they'll service the growers, whether it's hydroponics or it's living soil or anything in between, so. That is true. There is a much better access to that technology and those pieces of equipment. Right. now than there was before when I before weed was legal in Tulsa I remember there was one hydro shop and it was like a guy in an office suite that he had rented it and he had bought a bunch of stuff and he was selling it out of that and now yeah there's warehouses full yeah. of cultivation gear yeah I got a question about your genetics what so you you have your own genetics you ran your own phenotes uh, and you have your own essential cuts of these genetics that you've pulled from various sources what made you choose your source? And why, like, why are these strains? Well, um, I wanted to collect a broad palette, you might say. Um, I think that there are several major, you might call them flavor groups, in uh, marijuana flower, and I tried to identify strains that represented each of those major flavor groups. And I do think, right now, the, um, the fruity group is pretty popular and um, stuff that identifies as sweet and herbal as well, sweet and floral, so I uh, leaned a little more heavily that way, I suppose, instead of the fuel and chem and skunk flavor families. In your uh, past growing, have you noticed those flavor palettes shift from markets to markets? Like, you had some experience in OKC, uh, Oklahoma City, growing. Did you, at the time, were you guys able to notice a different palette there versus here, or? Well, I think, um, you know, it's from my 
my experience, it's something that has changed a little bit as marijuana has become more broadly accepted because when, uh, when marijuana was more illicit and frowned upon, um, there was a certain appeal to a younger, edgier, maybe a, you know, the consumer felt like they were taking risks just in using marijuana at all. And I think that strain names and, and um, aromas that were maybe a little bit edgy or offensive were actually appealing to that crowd. But now we've got a consumer who, you know, wants to go back in the house and not smell like a skunk or, um, you know. So I think our consumers on average are a little older than they were back 20 years ago. And um, they just expect different things. So one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is we want to give the patient the opportunity to meet the grow and connect how it's grown to what they're consuming. What would you say to, to a patient if they're asking why your guys' flower versus someone else's? Well, I'll say that you know my, my whole adult life has been developed, uh, dedicated to wellness and uh, various aspects of the wellness industry. And I've brought that approach to marijuana and learned as much as I could about developing a safe and effective protocol for a safe and effective product. We don't spray anything at all on our flowers. We spray very sparingly before the plants go into flower. We don't spray anything that's synthetic. Everything we use is carbon life-based, so you know, grown on a farm. And um, I think it's important that patients know what's going into their product and going into their body. And, and you should think about your marijuana the same way you think about your food. So you know, what we do here is try to use only products that we're comfortable using in our own kitchen. And uh, we've been pretty successful at that. And uh, it's, a, it's an ongoing battle, you know, products change over time. You've got to always read the fine print, but so far it's working. And um, we have some of the most potent products in the state. And I know that they're some of the safest and cleanest products available anywhere. And I, and I can attest to that. Um, I've really appreciated your guys's, the dedication I've seen at your guys's grow to the aspects of growing that are less public. The end result is great um, if you grow really potent marijuana, but if it's not necessarily safe, right. or if it's always on the edge of safe, in a market that's meant to help people, you, you could be setting somebody up for false trust. Right. So it's, it's cool that when we come out here and meet with you guys and work with you, to see your guys' dedication to the cleanliness, the health of the plant, and then the way that you guys produce both, that you're not putting a negative impact out there, uh, that you're doing this in a way that's positive to the economy, but uh, to the ecosystem and to your guys yourselves. Uh, so uh, at least from one patient, it's deeply appreciated, man. Uh, yeah, I really like what you guys do here. Well, thank you, Ethan. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad that you, you recognize it. It's, it's a lot of it is just things that go on behind the scenes and it's hard to put it in a a short marketing slogan, but there's a lot of extra work that we do. Um, we try really hard to do business with small businesses wherever possible. You know, Build a Soil in Colorado um, supplies most of our nutrient supplement kind of stuff. And Miller Soils, um, owned by Lewis Miller uh, out of Washington State, they've supplied our living soil base medium. You know, there's local stores that you can support. There are small businesses springing up everywhere. You know, we recycle all our own cardboard. We've got our worm farm going on, and um, you know, just just being aware of your impact and your your place in the environment and in the world 
is, is still really important. And if you get caught up in just chasing that money, then in the end, no one will have anything. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah. You can't eat money at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. You can grow a garden under your cannabis plant, though, and you can eat that. So there's, you've got the options. What's your favorite thing about legal weed? I mean, you grew, you were around the environment of weed before it was necessarily safe at moments in your life, I'm assuming. Oh, sure. Right. Now that it's legal, and I, you've been in states where it's been legal and then moved to states that were not, um, but it's legal now, again, in this state. How does it, what's your favorite thing about that? I like not, not worrying about the negative perception. You know, it's, um, there have always been people in my life who felt like my choice of marijuana was a poor choice. And um, I suppose it's always been arguable, but now that our society, our doctors are on board and, um, and business is on board, and now that our society is proceeding in that direction, the people who might be um, of a negative opinion mostly keep that opinion to themselves now. So that's been a big relief. Yeah, man. As someone who's met you only through cannabis, it looks like cannabis had a positive out, like effect on your life. From my, you know, like I don't see a uh, degenerate stoner archetype, <laughs> but definitely. Uh, it's your attention to detail on this farm, uh, and then just your thought process too. You keep going with improvement. You don't seem to stop at a point of good enough. And when you're growing medicine for people, I think that that kind of stuff has a special place in the economy. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I think cannabis served you well or vice versa well you know our industry is evolving rapidly and there's a lot of room for growth and um, I've been very fortunate to find some places that I've been able to grow in so um, yeah yeah it's it's been it's been good to us and uh, we try really hard to stay on top of current knowledge you know with the industry developing so rapidly there's a lot of things to be aware of stay on top of the latest news some of the products that we're using now weren't even available a year ago. So, yeah, always learning. That's a big part of the process. We can always get better. Um, the genetics continue to improve and the availability of advanced products continue to improve. So, Yeah, the money behind cannabis that then is fueling innovation and cultivation and extraction and mm -hmm. all these other side avenues of, of research that needs to be done to grow pot better. Exactly. It's amazing how much money is getting poured into that and then what's coming out of it, sure. you know. Uh, well, we're almost out of time. We're gonna do a short one. If people like this, we'll do a long rant and smoke some more weed and just ramble. Uh, the longer we do these, the more natural they get and it's mm -hmm. easier just to have a conversation. I get super nervous at the first part every time. <laughs> uh, but let's do one more question. Future, what are you guys seeing for 2021? 2021, we, we wanna package our product um, you know, we're wholesaling dried flour right now and that's going really well for us, but I think the next level up is a packaged product, uh, launching a brand to go with that packaging. And uh, part of that process for us is going to be building on this property. Uh, we've got room for a little larger footprint and um, a little larger workforce. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to develop some space, some packaging, hire some people and uh, grow our business. Awesome, man. Well, we are very excited to see where you guys go. If anybody's listening right now, you can try Purple Bird's Flower at Whole Leaf at 91st and Yale in Tulsa. Um, you can also check us out on Leafly. We're on a variety of different dispensaries all across the state. Thank you for listening, 
and uh, tune in next time.